Good evening, everyone. Welcome to uh, SYNY Radio. And, uh, you know, we're here with a segment of Getting Real with Real Estate. And it's a pleasure to be here, um, you know, standing in for Karen Bafar. It's uh, big shoes to fill. But, uh, you know, looking forward, hopefully we'll be able to uh, educate everybody, um, you know, with regards to the mortgage process. And we're going to go through the uh, mortgage process from beginning, from A to Z. And we're going to bring up some, you know, questions and uh, items that I see people struggle with. And hopefully you'll be able to gain from this. Hopefully you'll be able to, uh, you know, go through the mortgage process and have a simpler time or at least a, a easier time than most people. So, you know, I always have people call me and they say, you know, they're running around trying to get a house. Um, you know, there's this big dream. They, you know, are pushed into it by an in-law, father, and, you know, they call me up. They say, hey, you know, I spoke to a real estate agent, and the real estate agent said something about getting pre-approved. Like, do I really need to get pre-approved? That is always my, you know, the first question, um, you know, that people um, ask me. And it's, it's, it's one of the most important steps to the uh, mortgage process. It's not the mortgage, the most important step to the mortgage and I'm going to go through exactly what a pre-approval is and why it's so important to get pre-approved, um, not only to get pre-approved, but to get pre-approved correctly. So, you know, to start off, um, you know, there's, in essence, um, if you're going to buy a house, right, a million-dollar house, you have $200,000 in the bank. A bank is not just going to lend you money, right? They want to know that you could actually make those payments, those monthly payments, back to the uh, bank on a, monthly, on a monthly basis. So, you know, in order to ensure that you're going to make those payments, you go through the entire mortgage process, which is lengthy, and we're going to go through that from beginning to end. But the first step before you even go into contract into house is for a seller to have confidence that you're going to get approved for the mortgage because very nice you have $200,000 in the bank, but you need a million dollars to buy a house. If that $800,000 is going to come from a mortgage company. So they want to make sure that the mortgage company is be, going to be okay with lending you money because what happens to 50% of the people that go into contract, they end up falling out because they can't get approved for a mortgage. That is why it's extremely important to get pre-approved. And not only is it important to get pre-approved, period, it's you know, important to get pre-approved well before you actually start hunting for a house. Now, that's not saying that you shouldn't do research, speak to, you know, real estate agents to get a little, you know, more details about the uh, price ranges and details, and you can definitely start looking around for homes, but before you get serious, you want to make sure that you are pre-approved for a mortgage because you want to make sure that the bank will give you money. Uh, the worst thing that can possibly happen is for people, um, you know, to fall in love with the house um, and then only find out later that they can't get approved for it, Right. Uh, rather, I always say rather fall in love with the finances before you actually fall in love with the house. So, you know, you see a house or you're starting to look for a house and you come to the, uh, you know, mortgage banker and you say, hey, I want to get pre-approved. So what are the steps, you know, to getting pre-approved and why is it so important and why does everybody stress, you know, every real estate agent, every seller, they stress, you know, for you to get pre-approved. So... You know, first of all, there are three aspects, right, to go back into what a pre-approval is. There are three main aspects 
to getting approved for a mortgage. And we call them the CIA, right? C stands for credit, I stands for income, and A stands for assets. Now, you have to have all three of these categories. If you're lacking in you know, one of the other, um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't qualify um, you know, for, the, um, for the mortgage. So let's go through each one individually, and then you'll see why it's so important to get pre-approved. Uh, and again, you know, mortgage, the mortgage industry has changed a lot over the last couple of years. It's not so simple to get approved for a mortgage. Um, I had somebody who called me tonight and said, hey, last time I got a mortgage, I just said I made $100,000 and the bank said, okay, and we got a mortgage. It is really not that easy. Um, and many people have their income structured in ways that they're off the books and stuff like this. And even though they're making the money and they could show me and prove it, but if it's not taxable, we can't use it. So here are the three things, credit, income, and assets, right? The CIA, credit, let's start off with that one, easy one. Um, credit is you have to have a credit score above a certain threshold. Now, for most conforming loans, that's a 620 credit score. If you're looking at you know, houses in the million-dollar range, they're going to want you to have above a 680. But you know, most people have above a 620, so that wouldn't be an issue. And a lot of people always tell me, um, you know, my credit score is fine. I don't really need to check it. I know it's above 620. I have credit karma. But what they don't realize is that interest rates are tiered which means that if you have a 719 credit score, you're not going to get as good as a rate as if you would have a 720, okay? It goes in tiers of 20. So anything above 740 is in the same tier, and then it goes 740, 720, 7, 680, 660, 620, and you can get a mortgage below 620, uh, but it's a, little, it's a little more difficult. So the reason why it's so important to check credit is because, you know, Credit Karma is a great credit monitoring tool, but it actually does not do a hard pull on your credit, which means it's a very basic you know, estimate of what your credit score is. A lot of times, the most common thing I have is I have people making a lot of money who come to me and say, you know, my credit score is fine. I pay everything on time. Everything's on auto pay. And you know, Credit Karma says I have a 780 credit score. And this actually happened. We ran the client's credit, credit and he had a 625 credit score. Now, the reason why his credit score was so low was because there was a medical bill um, that went into collection. He never even knew about it. It was a $150 medical bill that, you know, they put on his credit, and the guy could pay it off in his dream, but, you know, he didn't know about it. And it didn't come up on Credit Karma for some reason, and his credit score was, you know, hurt from it. Now, we ran his credit, right, three months before he went into contract on a house. So we found out about it early enough that we were able to you know, work with the credit agencies to get it removed so that by the time he went into contract, by the time he closed, his credit score was back up above a 740, and he was able to take advantage of, you know, the best interest rates that we had. Uh, now, the difference in interest rate is extreme if you have a 620 or a 740. It's really, really extreme. So it's very important, and I know people get, you know, very nervous about the two points that a... Um, that a credit pull will affect their credit score. People get very nervous about it, but when you think about it in the long run, two points over 840 is the top score or something like that, uh, it doesn't really mean much. And rather, you know, take that ding to your credit and, and make sure that everything's in order. In addition, another thing that I hear, another myth, is that, you know, clients call me and they say, hey, you know, I went online and, you know, the bank said, get pre-approved now. And they ran my credit and nothing ever happened. So I don't want to run credit again because I ran it already. It's going to keep hurting the credit. 
So yes, generally you should not run your credit more than you have to, but the credit bureaus are already advanced enough to know that if you're shopping for a mortgage and they see four different credit inquiries on the same week or within a 14-day period, they won't hit you a few times, two points each. They'll count it as, as one dink. So, you know, never be scared about, you know, dinking your credit a couple times if you're shopping around with a couple different people. And again, if anybody has any questions, uh, feel free to call in. Um, our listen live number is 605-781-1200, and we'll be happy to uh, answer any questions. So, you know, again, that's, that's credit. Most people do not have problems with regards to credit. Most people's credits are okay. Um, I do have, obviously, people, um, you know, on a weekly basis that do have credit issues, and if it's not too sophisticated, I, we have tools um, that we could help people boost their credit. Um, but, you know, again, if it's more complex, like a lot of late payments or stuff that are in collection, what I generally do is I refer people over to credit repair specialists who I've worked with um, to help boost people's credit scores. Because, again, even though they do charge money and, and you know, it is money, but, you know, over the long run, a difference of 1% interest rate is going to call is going to cost, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And, again, if you have any questions, um, feel free to call in. Um, you know, we have a uh, call-in number at 319-527-4160. So as we were saying, that's credit. That's the C of the CIA. The next step is where most people get into trouble. That is income. Okay, everybody knows you obviously have to make money to get approved for a mortgage. But how much do you need to make? And there is no exact science to it because it's all about how much you make versus your debt. So you could be making a billion dollars a year. If you have $500 million worth of debt on a monthly or on a yearly basis, you won't qualify for a mortgage, even though you're worth $500 million. Um, so it's all about, you know, your debt to income ratio, okay? That's what we, that's how we qualify. It's not about how much money you make. I always have, I have, you know, single people living at home with no rent, um, you know, making $80,000 who are, will qualify over, you know, somebody making $250,000 who has three cars, you know, uh, Mercedes and other debt and student loans, they'll have an easier time uh, qualifying for a mortgage. So again, the ratio that banks use to qualify you um, for a mortgage is called the debt-to-income ratio, okay? Debt means that they take all your monthly debt. For example, let's say you have a $5,000 credit card bill. We don't take the $5,000 payment. We take the minimal payment that you're responsible every month. So let's say it's $200. Plus you have a $300 car. That's $500. Plus you have student loans for another $500. So you already get $1,000 a month, right? The house, the mortgage payment, taxes, and insurance are going to cost you $3,000. So you're already at $4,000. The rule, general rule of thumb is you have to make it at least, and you know, sometimes you have to make even more, but at least double your monthly debt. So if your monthly debt standing at $4,000, you have to make at least $8,000 a month to qualify for the mortgage. Now, there's a difference between how much you actually make and how much money we can count as your income so that, you know, you can qualify, okay? Because I always have the people who tell me, listen, I make money, it's just off the books, or it's cash, or, you know, it's not reported. So 
how do we determine how much income we could give you for mortgage qualification purposes? And again, if anybody has any questions, feel free to dial in 319-527-4160. So how do we calculate income? So it's a very uh, you know, broad question, um, which I want to go through because I feel like it's extremely important for people to understand um, because everybody falls into a different category. So obviously, if you work as a W-2 employee, which means you're working for somebody, you don't own your company, you're not you know, uh, a 1099 contractor, so you're working for a company. If you get paid you know, a base salary, which means it doesn't fluctuate, every single pay stub is the same thing, that's what we'll use. Now, keep in mind, you have to have a two-year work history in order to qualify for a mortgage. So let's say you just, you know, you just went, into, went into work. Day one, you cannot qualify for a mortgage so simply. You need a two-year history. But if you have schooling, we can actually count that as a two-year work history. So let's say you were in law school, three years of law school. The day out of law school, you could actually qualify for a job if your salary is fixed. If you have a $100,000 salary, we can use that $100,000 to qualify you for a mortgage. So again, if you have a fixed income, you're a W-2 employee, very simple. We use whatever you make, and you're good to go. Now, keep in mind, a lot of people always ask me, you know, uh, I've been making, you know, $200 a week because I wanted it all to be off the books, and suddenly now I'm applying for a mortgage, I'll boost it up to $10,000 a month. Banks will look at that and red flag it right away and say, obviously, you're just doing it for mortgage purposes. We're not going to trust you. We're not going to believe you. So, you know, again, you want to have a steady source of income. Banks look at a two-year history, right? And they use common sense to degrees. So, for example, if you were promoted six months ago, right, generally, they won't ask so many questions. If you were promoted the day you apply for a mortgage, they generally will ask questions. Anything more than a 10% raise, they'll want you to explain and, you know, you better come up with a good, uh, good explanation. So that's with regards to a base salary. Now, what happens if you work hourly? You're a nurse. Um, you just, you know, work hourly or you get commission. So the way it works is, is that if you get commission, right, and this includes commission as part of a base salary, you have to average your commissions over two years, which means if you just started working as a commission employee, you cannot qualify for a mortgage unless you have a two-year history. So hopefully your commission increases, right? Last year you made $50,000 of commission. This year you made $100,000 of commission. You come to me and you say, hey, I made $100,000 worth of income. I should be qualified for the mortgage. With commission, we actually have to average the last two years of your income and use that number. So for example, in 2018 you made $100,000. In 2017, you made 50000 We would actually only be able to use $75,000 as your annual income, which is an issue for a lot of people and is something that you, know, you should definitely plan in advance. Uh, for if you're an hourly employee, uh, it, it's the same thing. Sometimes we can get away with actually using a year worth of income. So you know, if you're applying for a mortgage, make sure to put in those... Uh, those extra hours, make sure to put in as many hours as you can six months in advance. This way we can boost up your income. Now, the next category would be somebody who's working for themselves. Somebody who is not, you know, getting a W-2, not getting a st steady salary, is 1099 income, meaning he's getting paid from somebody 
um, you know, as a contractor or you own your own business. Um, so with those people, you have to be self-employed for two years. So if you just opened up your business in 2018, you have to wait another year so that you have at least two years of tax returns so that you could qualify for a mortgage. And the way we generally qualify you is, again, by averaging two years of business returns. So, and again, we don't actually use the, the with a W-2 employee, somebody who you know, works for others, right? We can use the gross amount, which means before taxes. So if you make $90,000 before taxes and then after taxes you walk away with 70, we can use 90,000. Somebody who's self-employed, we generally have to average two years of their income and we can only use the net amount, which means after, ta after expenses are taken off. So if you made $200,000, but you have a good, nice accountant who really helped you and wrote off 90% of your income, we cannot qualify you for a mortgage generally. That's why it's especially important if you're self-employed to speak to a mortgage banker before you start looking for a house because you can prepare yourself in advance. For example, um, I'm working with a couple of clients who have not filed their 2018 tax returns yet, and they're working with their accountants to file enough income so that they qualify for a mortgage. Yes, they might have to pay more taxes because they're not, not deducting everything that they could have, but it's going to help them get into the house. On a side note, you know, a lot of members, of our, members in our community are you know, growingly self-employed, right? Opening up businesses, Amazon businesses. Uh, retail, wholesale, and, you know, with these businesses, um, you know, we're bringing in a lot of money, right, but we're writing everything off, right, because we don't want to pay the taxes, which is, you know, normal, and, you know, we're having trouble qualifying for our mortgages, so we actually came out with new programs to help people in this Sorry about that. The bank understands that, you know, they're making enough money to qualify for a mortgage. Uh, it's just that we don't have enough taxable income. So what we can do is there are several different ways that we could actually get these individuals qualified for a mortgage. But what I've been doing lately is we'll look at your bank statements, right? Let's say you have syradio.com and you're bringing in $300,000 in 20, you brought in $300,000 in 2018, but your income, you wrote everything off, is $20,000 on your tax return. We look at your, tax, at your bank statements. We see $300,000 worth of deposits. We get a letter from your accountant stating, listen, 80% of these deposits are real income, 20% expenses. We'll use 80% of the deposits into your bank statements as income, and we could qualify you for a mortgage just based off your bank statements without any tax returns or any income documents without any W-2s, any pay stubs, or anything at all. So, you know, again, there are exciting new programs out there for those who, you know, have been declined for mortgages previously that it's definitely worth it to try again. Uh, it doesn't hurt. All it takes is a phone call, and uh, you never know. And in addition, we have new programs called debt service programs for individuals who are you know, looking to buy investment properties. Um, you know, we can qualify people based off the property income without even looking at their tax returns, which means as long as the property 
that they're looking to buy, the rent or even the proposed rent is going to be equal to or greater than the monthly debt, which means the monthly mortgage payment, taxes, and insurance. We don't care about other expenses. As long as the, mortgage, as long as the rent is going to be more than the mortgage payment, we can get them up to 80% financing. Um, this is a brand new program. You don't need any income to qualify for this. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are, you know, taking advantage of this program. So, you know, again, that was with regards to, um, you know, income. Now, the last thing is, you know, credit income. We're up to the A, CIA. The last thing that, you know, we need to qualify is assets, okay? Now, you know, people, uh, this is actually a big thing, you know, uh, in the community, a big, big red flag, a big issue that people have is assets because it's not as simple as, oh, as long as I have money in the bank, I'm good to go, right? Banks will look at two months of your bank statements before closing and want to source, which means anything that's above 50% of your monthly income. So let's say you make $5,000 a month. Any deposit on one day greater than 2500 the bank will want to know where that comes from. If it's cash, we cannot use cash. We actually have to deduct it from your balance. If a friend gave you money, unless you can show that you lent that money and they're repaying you, we can't use that money. The only money that we can use is money from family members, which are gifts. So, you know, the, obviously there are ways to work around this. And, you know, you have to structure your, you know, make sure that if you have checks, if you have cash or anything like that, you have to make sure that that gets into your bank you know, at least 30 days before, you know, you go into contract. This way you'll have two clean months bank statements. And, you know, again, anybody who has any questions, they can dial in 319-527-4160. So, you know, that, that wraps up the CIA. That wraps up the, you know, credit income and assets. So the reason, again, why it's so important to get pre-approved is because, you know, many individuals think, right? Everybody goes online and reads up and thinks that they're experts, um, you know, on the mortgage process, on the home buying process, but you don't understand the specifics, you know, the ramifications. Yes, you need to make double your monthly debt, right? That's what Zillow says. But how do you calculate your income, right? Every, every scenario is different. That's why it's definitely important to call up your loan officer. Make sure you're pre-approved because giving yourself three months heads up can help you. A, you can get a co-signer if you don't qualify by yourself, Right. Um, you know, if you're if you find out, you know, after you go into contract that you don't qualify for mortgage, it's a little harder to, you know, get your ducks in a row. So definitely, definitely get pre-approved. Um, now, in addition, uh, we offer something called the DU and LP pre-approval. Uh, you know, a lot of, you know, my clients in Brooklyn, especially, they've been putting offers on houses and the sellers have been coming back and saying, hey, you know, somebody else gave you an offer or somebody else gave an offer $2,000 more and we're just going to go with them, right? And they lose, they lose houses because of this. Uh, in addition, you need to make sure that you're pre-approved because as we know, houses come up and they go down in seconds, the good houses. So if you're not pre-approved and you want to put in an offer and it takes you a day to get pre-approved, somebody else might grab the house before you. So, you know, again, with a standard pre-approval, you, you tell the seller, hey, look, I'm pre-approved for a million dollars. I want to put a million dollar offer. And, you know, sellers are already cynical of the whole pre-approval process because anybody can get pre-approved by going online to one of these, you know, phony banks. 
Um, so sellers understand that pre-approvals, you know, they mean something, but not that much. What we do is called the LPDU pre-approval, which means we take it an extra step. We actually run your loan through an automated underwriting system, which uh, is ran by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which are the two biggest wholesalers. Any loan, any conventional loan that's sold with, that's closed within the U.S. is actually ran through DUNLP. Uh, and what DUNLP does is it looks through every single aspect of you, your, your life, your life story, your credit score, right? It looks through how many trade lines you have. It looks through what your income is. It looks how long you've been employed at your job. And it'll say, this guy's approved. Or, you know what? This guy just doesn't fit our criteria. We're not going to go with him. And I've had many cases where, you know, sometimes I thought the guy wouldn't get approved and, you know, the system said, you know, he's approved. And sometimes I thought the guy slam dunk and the system says, you know, just not a candidate for us. So we take that extra step, which ensures you that if you're going to go in and you're going to put in an offer that has been pre-approved with DUNLP, you will have an easy time with the mortgage process. Now, again, nothing's obviously guaranteed, but it just gives you another level of certainty. And when you present this to a seller, um, you know, and you present this as, not only am I pre-approved, I'm LPDU pre-approved, it gives them the confidence to accept your offer. And, you know, again, it's, it also helps in with regards to, you know, for example, I had a client recently whose credit score was phenomenal, 740 credit score. And, you know, I ran it through DUNLP, and DUNLP says, one second, if you look at this guy's credit score, right, all his credit, he has a bunch of late payments, but it's not affecting his credit score because what does he do? He disputes these late payments, which means if you have a late payment with Honda, you call them up and you say, hey, I want to dispute this. They cannot lower your score until it's investigated, which takes time. So what people do is, and what these, you know, a lot of credit repair specialists do, are those who aren't educated in the mortgage processes, they'll tell you, hey, just call up all your late payments and dispute the late payments, right? And this way, they won't be able to lower your score. But Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac picked up on that. And they said, hey, this guy has like seven disputes. Disputes. We remove the disputes. And what happens after we remove the disputes? His credit score dropped by around 80 points. And he wasn't able to qualify for the mortgage. Um, luckily, we had the DU and LP findings early on in the process, and we were able to, just in the nick of time, repair everything uh, and make sure that we were okay. Now, I used to only run DU and LP once I was further into the process, but I learned my lesson. Every single loan that I pre-approve now, uh, I pre-approve within LP and DU findings. So again, if you want to make sure that your pre-approval is you know, taken to the next level, make sure that your loan officer runs DU and LP. Uh, I hope everybody, you know, enjoyed. I hope everybody gained um, from the mortgage uh, rundown. If anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Feel free to reach out to SYNY Radio. It was a pleasure having everybody, and I hope everybody uh, enjoyed.